0: Radio. This week's show is a journey into consciousness, working through the wonderful trance mediumship of Mick and Sylvie Avery, with wisdom brought through by spirit guide Gregory Hay. To find out more about their work, you can visit www.spirit-teaching.com. Very warm welcome to the show, Gregory. It's great to have you back. Oh, thank you so very much, my
1: dear friend. Love and light in your journey, dear friend. Thank you. God bless.
0: Right, to start today's show, Gregory, um, I've got a question um, that's um, been on the lips for a number of people uh, across the web, actually, and amongst our listeners. So yes. what it is, there's um, there's quite a lot of chatter or information building um, on the internet, at least, about a possible disclosure coming in the very near future. Um, it's even been said that there could be some kind of ET um, disclosure before the ends out by President Obama and what seems to be um, happening is that there's a lot of uh, seeming, seemingly credible researchers on the internet that are getting inside knowledge that perhaps Barack Obama is heading towards some kind of disclosure on, on the ETs or um, or perhaps that there are other extraterrestrial civilizations. Yeah. so I guess what people are looking for really is what your take on this is Well, in a sense, my dear friend, it is, you could say, not before
1: time. Uh, From all that is said, done, heard, felt, and sensed in any way, dear friend, we understand from our side of life the great and beautiful amounts of communication from our side of life and, of course, from others in your side of life or from other dimensional states uh, of reality. And it continues to be, of course, quite Uh, difficult and obdurate of those uh, societies and those governments who continue to refuse to acknowledge their presence. seems quite ridiculous when you have uh, uh, witnesses amounting to uh, 30,000 or 60,000 people seeing the same thing and then it's uh, blithely contributed to some nonsense like a weather balloon when obviously something very large, perhaps even miles across, is uh, 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 actually seen by all of those peoples. So it's completely ridiculous that you have these uh, uh, really silly situations of uh, uh, denial that continue to surface, Uh, particularly, of course, within uh, many of the situations that have happened in the past. Uh, For example, at Mendelssohn. Uh, in uh, the woods there, and uh, the, the, the actual uh, the depositions made by uh, the service personnel that were present at the time. It seems completely ridiculous to continue to cast such uh, comments and such understanding into uh, these cloudy places, These uh, like ridiculing them. It's completely besmirching their characters for all these people that actually, in good conscience, simply want to report the instances they behold within themselves. They're not illuminations. They are not uh, mistaken mystical uh, situations that come upon them, but real life enactments.
0: Sure. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, that makes a lot of sense. We know that, about these these scenarios that have happened. Um, and they're, they're pretty obvious to most people that research it on the internet. Obviously, when it's brought down into the mainstream media, it's obviously put into a slant that could be sarcastic or kind of brushed away. Yes. But I think what is, what it's people, biased, is it? Yeah. Not? So I think what people are looking for, I guess, is that there are researchers that claim to have inside uh, insider knowledge that this is on the cards with um, Obama. Um, and there's also a lot of channelers that are coming on board saying this is going to happen as well. And I'm, obviously I'm aware that we're also channeling here as well. So I just wondered if you had any of your own insight into a, a potential near future where that could happen rather than just speculation.
1: Well, my dear friend, rather than speculation, it would be, I suppose, to do with the furtherance of humanity and how they're going to really come to accept it. Now, part of the uh, reticence about uh, actually acceptance was previously uh, that there were many peoples on your side of life who were actually in fear, uh, particularly those who were seated in deep religious uh, situations and that a uh, particularly uh, one religious group or another that were actually uh, quite frightened by the prospect, and so therefore, uh, in fact, uh, accentuated its deliverance as being a myth or uh, some sort of charm of the mind. Where, in, in, in actual fact, all that we're saying here is that we can see that there is a change in human dimension, in the human understanding and philosophy of the whole uh, ambience of it. It's not simply a a thing that is happening to just a few people, it's happening to a much larger amount of people now, uh, both of their visitations that happen, and also to the actual interactions that they have. So this simply means that a bigger voice, you see, is one that has to be accepted if people are to move forward. And that's the same with anything. In a sense, dear friend, I have to take this opportunity in saying that it's exactly as it is meant to be. So, if you as human beings, living your physical life, spirit having a human existence, wish really to change your future, It perhaps gives you an insight and understanding that simply by discussing the possibility of disclosure means that your joint voices, which are coming together, actually emits the power of consciousness, the power of right over uh, things that are negative or displaced. This means to say that human beings on your side of life now have to come to an understanding. These situations that you feel right and positive about need to be aired consistently. You need to be positive about it. You need to be positive about all other aspects of your world, about how you can save your world, change your world, force governments to change the way in which they view your carbon future so that you will have a future. This is empowerment to the human mind. And that I feel is what you must take from this. There will be disclosure at some point, And it will be a brave government that illuminates and joins to this pathway in this way. However, it will be a right-thinking arm of people that encourage it and applaud it along its way into your lives. So
0: basically, just to cut to the the chase then, for a timeline of being by the end of the year, is that premature? Yes. Okay. Okay. I don't don't
1: believe uh, for one moment that it will be that quick, purely and simply because there are just too many things going on at this present time. I understand, however, that what will happen will be there will be other mass uh, situations Whereby uh, those from our side of life, or those from other life, from other worlds, will simply decide. Very well, then we'll come and make an appearance now, and they'll do so over a very large city, or in a very uh, uh, in a situation which is attended by an enormous amount of people, together with uh, perhaps for another event. You see, and that they will then choose that time in order to make themselves known so that it will actually be documented and recorded no more hot air balloons then
0: sure actually you raise an interesting point there actually because um from one of the same sources that the research got information from was that someone mentioned that there was a huge kind of ship already in our solar system um it's more of like a civilization and a huge kind of craft that was. I think you mentioned something like this before, where not just spaceships, but where a whole civilization could be aboard something like this. Um yeah. And they mentioned that there was an object already in our solar system that was slowly heading our way, and at some point it would be visible. And they were mentioned also that governments are kind of not governments or secret groups are under pressure with disclosure, because they're aware that there are civilizations coming towards us to put the pressure on us to disclose. Yes, quite so.
1: Absolutely. In a sense, you see, my dear friend, what you have to understand is that people feel, people in power, should I say, feel very threatened by this presence. Simply because, ordinarily, what would have happened in the past would have been that they would have tried to have attacked it before it had a chance to get too close, or something like that. Something as ridiculous as that. But, of course, it's now come to the minds that, in actual fact, these are technologies far in advance of humankind. Therefore, any attempt to, in actual fact, uh, become hostile would be met uh, with... uh, In a sense, it's a situation which brings fear and trepidation to many human minds. And this is, uh, I suppose, you could say a part of the vexed question as to how human beings will be able to tolerate this kind of situation. And I have to say, Finn, that it's, I would have to say that human beings do have to be careful Mm. This is not a situation which is carte blanche. Everything is love and light. And do not think for one moment that all that are going to come um, or beings that you may meet in the future are going to be that way. I'm not bringing fear here. I'm just saying that there has to be great care given. This is exactly the same for those uh, who are actually engaging in Beings from elsewhere, who are maybe uh, giving one tolerance, giving one energy to make you feel
0: that they are loving beings, when in actual fact they have other motives. Yeah. Okay. So, just another quick question as well that I know people are probably asking while they're listening to this as well. That with the Obama Obama thing, um, there's kind of two schools of thought on Obama. Some say that he's a real good guy and others say that he is just the same old same old kind of cabal or illuminati um trying to create a new world order um yeah. i i see a lot of evidence that he's honestly creating a lot of good change and a lot of progress in, in, in for peaceful measures yeah. other people say that if he's government then he must be part of uh the illuminati or something like that i just wondered what if you're able to give your view on that if that's possible. Yes, dear
1: friend, uh, the simple fact of the matter is there are many still yet within uh, certain governments all over the planet which are uh, at present engaged in very hostile and uh, counter activity, which because they have great fear about them, because they are beings who want to hold on to power for whatever cause they design their power to be, whether it be a far-right political belief or Christian belief or some other religious belief, some far-right hostile makeup that engages within it. And this could be said for many, many countries, including the one that is here, uh, that that you are currently sitting on and which I am engaging with. So you can say that these are the same situations which have been allowed to develop at at best through racism, at best through uh, great hostility to different beings. Racism is included in hostility to other animals as well as other human beings of different race. So you can see that this is then a fed hostility which by some who wish to keep their own island, their own island, and not allow anyone else upon it. That's exactly the same behavior that they have off the planet as well. They think they own it. So this then is the situation. They would much rather see, perhaps for some of them, would much rather see large slices of the human population to be decimated by whatever happens, so that they can live through it. There are some people who actually have that as a vested interest.
0: Okay. So, basically, just a, a quick answer, if you can, on, on the Obama thing then. Um, yes. I mean, is he actually working with, with good intent? So, when we're seeing stuff and it is good, is he actually working for the good? Yes. And the bad stuff we're seeing is more the kind of secret interest, special interest groups that are working behind the scenes trying to try and derail the good that he's doing.
1: Yes, of course, absolutely. You have all of these pressure groups, dear friend, uh, different industries, which are maintained by those uh, political interests, which are self-motivated power in exactly the same way that it has existed for uh, the last 300 years, really.
0: So really, if Obama could disclose the UFO thing, he would really be stepping on the toes of quite a few groups and he would really be a great revenge in, in some respects. But the way I see it is that most of the major uh, mainstream media outlets are owned by very powerful companies and would they actually give him airtime to even go on telly and, and maybe disclose something like that? I don't, I don't know. But
1: Well, yes, my dear friend, I have to say this is an individual who can court... Uh, his own popularity he is uh, well versed in modern media techniques that means to say that even if it was something that was not able to be uh, displayed upon their international television in that respect, although I have to say there are certain uh, scenarios here whereby he has become so popular and engaging that they would, uh, that it would be something that they would encourage themselves, uh, whatever disclosure that he was to to make. Yeah. Absolutely. I cannot see a way that that would be denied.
0: Yeah. I mean, there there is chatter again on on, on the Internet with insiders saying that the Nobel Peace Prize um, event could be tied into something like that because it would give him a world, platform, a world stage, if you like, um, to receive a, um, an award for the Nobel Peace Prize, but maybe an opportunity to maybe speak about something. I mean, what would, be better, yes. what would be the ultimate peace thing? Would be to disclose that we're not alone and that we can then start focus on moving forward as a, as a whole race rather than being separate from each other.
1: Yes, absolutely so. And to actually treat and treat the planet in a global way rather than uh, uh, this uh, situation of, of uh, very fractured states, yeah. which is really why the planet is falling apart at the seams.
0: Yeah, I, I read a very interesting comment actually someone made on the internet the other day, which summed it up well. It's, there's two, it's kind of two realities going on. There's Everybody uses the internet, and then there's governments in their old paradigm of little silos. This is my country this is my country, this is my state and yet, you've got this global community where I can sit there and talk to Americans, Europeans, Australians we don't care what countries we come from I can go to a conference and meet people from all over the world, to me there's no barriers anymore with the internet, and yet we're living in this we've got this kind of old old energy, kind of government still trying to act in that old separate way when really, the internet's allowed us to move forward in this global way already in some respects. You are respect. lucky friend. Yes, very true, yeah. In my
1: day, we had nothing, no. absolutely nothing. We couldn't even hardly communicate with the
0: next village, yet alone uh, something as uh, wonderful as that. I think actually that hasn't moved on much either. Most people don't even talk to their next-door neighbours. <laughs> I, I understand that. It's, it's a sad fact, dear effect. Yeah. People
1: have lost the art of communication. Purely simply, though, I have to say, because it is not something which is encouraged When in its infancy, when a human being is in its infancy, how do you see encouragement take place? It's part of the greatest failing of education that it does not encourage such uh, situations of banter, of teaching people to understand actually how to live rather than a single-celled subject. Mm. Would be far better, would it not?
0: Okay, this this conversation does lead me on to something else. Someone did email in and they wanted to know about the various spiritual laws that exist. Um, and I've kind of listed them here because you, you mentioned one of them in, in one of our earlier shows and that was the law of proximity? Yes. Okay, and then there's obviously, there's like law of karma, which is a well-known one in our world. Um, there's obviously the law of non-interference, which is kind of like law of free will in a respect. So... Um, I see law of free will as more a mutable law where it's like an honourable law. You, if you're good and uh, benevolent, then you honour that. But if you, if you're negative, then you can just completely trash it. There's there's another law um, called law of squares, which I don't know if you're aware of. Um, I see it as that when, when meditators come together as a group mind, then from what I understand is the power um, is it, it's like. If there's one meditator, that's, that's one amount of energy. But then the next person, the energy is squared. And the next person is squared again. So I don't know if you've come across that, where if you've, if you've got intent with people, the power is more exponential. It is quite true
1: that power becomes exponentially uh, drifting when there are more than one. Absolutely. It, I would not say it's a law of squares. It's just, just a, a label, really. Right. That is, in a sense, deriving that energy into the limitation of your own proximity. It's really where the law of proximity takes over everything, in many respects. Purely and simply, dear friend, because, for example, if you are sitting with three other people in a room, and you sit to meditate, or you sit to collectively collect your energy Should we say then to send it to someone else? Maybe you're going to send your energy to a being that one of you is aware of, that one of you has a mental image of, but that the other two people don't know. And the person who has a mental image of that person they're going to send the energy to is known to them, and that's why they have the image there. The energy then that they collect is a circular energy. It isn't squared. It's a circular energy because you have three people who do not form a square but actually sit in opposing states. They sit in opposing states because the law of proximity dictates that if you have one person with their consciousness and they are collecting their consciousness which is individual, they are collecting their love from within a self, connecting their conscious state to their spirit, bringing up that well of love and producing it to the fulcrum center of the room itself the other two, regardless of what the other two people are doing this is what they're doing and they so the two other people who don't have the image of the person they are actually doing this out of love and service to a nameless event, a nameless situation. So they're doing it purely out of service, not out of personal recognition or personal emotional empathy. They are using the law of proximity in a particular way in order to gather their own energy. And then suddenly, lo and behold, what they find is that when they've gathered their energy and they're beginning to release it into the room and into the universe, what actually happens is not that that energy becomes squared because of the other energy in the room from the other two people, the one also who actually knows the identified person that they're sending the healing to, but actually you have to understand that when this is taking place, there are also the other spirit dwellers who are walking with those three people who are also understanding that loving energy, making use of it, and also amplifying it. So it's quite wrong to say that your energy is squared. It's actually multifaceted. It's a situation when you connect with the universe, when you give of yourself in service in that completely undefined way as vis-a-vis the physical world, that what you're actually doing is crossing the paradigm of the law of proximity. You are giving yourself selflessly. That means you are melding your energy with the laws of the universe, with the energy of the universe, energies from other beings you may never identify. But simply not that you do it for that purpose, but you do it out of pure love and giving. That means your energy is centered in a completely different way. It's not about what happens in your world but what happens ultra-dimensionally to the gifts of love you give to the universe and ultimately to this other person who is
0: ill. Yeah, fantastic. I'm glad you said that, actually. It's kind of something I've been looking into um, to do that. And, um, and having a meditator who knows the intention of what they want, want to achieve, but the other people sitting don't necessarily have to know the dynamics of what needs to be done, but they are able to give their energy towards it
1: and as long my dear friend as they give their energy in a selfless way one in the physical side of life cannot put a constriction upon that energy and say ah oh, yes you're giving an energy that is squared yeah
0: yeah it's the law of squares is more a, a, a term where if you know rather than if you've got three people sitting there then it's just like three times is more powerful, but it's more—it's actually not that's, just three times, it's like a lot more powerful.
1: Yes, but that's that's still limiting, that's still yeah. saying to the universe I am doing this. No yeah. you're not. <laughs> all that you are doing is you are creating the love. That is all you need to concentrate on. And what the universe will create within that pathway and from that exponential energy which you send to the universe, yes, to that one single identity person, but also uh, that, in fact, by your evoking of it, what is actually happening is that you are increasing the multidimensional facet of self that is beyond any form of physical comprehension.
0: Okay. I mean, that sounds better than really what I was trying to describe there. What a listener um, wanted to know with the different spiritual laws is that who... Who actually polices them? How does the universe actually um, you know, like stop somebody from overstepping the boundaries of the law of proximity? How does the universe stop the abuse of free will? And I don't think you can in that respect. That's what I was trying to say earlier. That law seems to be mutable. Where well, other yes. Law...
1: yes. Now, let me just describe this for you, my dear friend. Uh, the law of proximity itself is one of those situations whereby... You, let's say then, you are sitting in your place, in your seat, in your home, and what you have is a very uh, distinct and myriad situation which happens to you when you are sitting in your home. You are sitting as to what you think is upright. You think your energy is this far uh, at a certain perpendicular to your own physical state but that in actual fact, friend, Ian, what is actually happening is that your energy is multiplying, it's moving, it is uh, doing like an amoeba, I suppose, if you like, that it's stretching out in different directions, in different prisms of energy, in different states of reality. The law of proximity dictates that The reason why it is engaged and why it is not policed, but the law of proximity, is that it is a constraint in itself. The law of proximity then dictates that if you are a being in one universe, you may well think that you are the only being in that universe, simply because your sensitivity may not be illuminated to understand or sense other or uh, different dimensions or different states of being. That does not mean to say that you are as a being lesser because the law of proximity simply means that there will always be beings on your side of life that will always think beyond who they really are, purely and simply out of mysticism or because they feel that they are greater than something else or that they are more powerful than something else. The thing that happens is that within the law of proximity, you are uh, at present battling against time sequences, which are simply the constraint of physical life. And yet when you release those time sequences, when you are in dream state or when you have an outer body experience, what's actually happening is that you move beyond the barriers of physical state and time. Simply because the law of proximity allows you to because you let go and you let go of your own prison, if you like, that you have created in yourself. And so that is why it is a universal law. It isn't policed as such. It is constrained by your own thinking, by your own way of reactive force, by the sheer forces that you emit and the forces of... uh, uh, maybe negativity or the forces of positivity that you create within your own being, either through chemical structure or through the simple fact of you reacting to an event. Sure. So it means to say that you are actually able, when having an out-of-body experience or traversing different timelines in the sleep state, that actually what you're doing is you are letting go. Of your physical being, letting go of the, the the proximity that you are told that you have to force yourself into.
0: Sure. So basically, really, the law that seems to be in the universe of non-interfering with developing races really is just a byproduct of free will. So if you've got free will, then we can do anything we like. But uh, beings that have a higher a vibration will not um, will not come in and sort of interfere with other people's free will but if you're negative then because it's a free will universe you can do whatever you want anyway can't you yes exactly so absolutely yeah. and uh, who is going to stop it that's the point and
1: don't forget friend in a sense i'm not putting all of this down to base instincts but however there are situations where you would say that you place a situation within an animal. And that you expect it to behave in a certain way because you have given it attention, love, you have given it emotion, you have given it all of those things that you think will humanize it, that you think will change it into something that likes you. Actually, it only likes you because you're giving it food. It only likes you because you are uh, part
0: of its pack or because you have created a situation which is in its favor. So really, animals are a classic example of non-free will. Is that right?
1: Well, in a sense, my dear friend, they drive their own free will. They have choices. They make choices. Either they are going to use the situation because they are very instinctive. Therefore, if they see a, a chance or an event that turns it to their being completely instinctive, they will turn to kill. Yeah. If they do not do that, then they are being placid and they are simply uh, allowing you to be a part of
0: the pack which is more dominant. Sure but a lion is a lion you know you know with humans yeah we humans are human but we can be so very different from each other can't we? Absolutely. You know we can act in in kind of strange ways but just a quick question I mean are there humans or beings that look like us or similar to us that don't have free will. Is free will a universal thing or is there other civilizations that operate and don't have free will?
1: Well, my dear friend, uh, yes in part that uh, free will is not just a human thing, but I have to say though that free will is also sometimes not a human uh, trait at all. And it may well be that uh, oftentimes You know throughout your own life, dear friend, that there have been times when your free will has been usurped by someone else's power over you. And that is simply happening because their power has created an instinctive choice. Now, for you, you may have succumbed to that instinctive choice simply because you want a peaceful life. Or it may be that you have succumbed to it because the power was negative or because the power left you little choice but to succeed to that. The point, however, is that these, in a sense, are all the same battles which are played out in the natural world and which continue to survive in order for animals and beings to survive anyway. And I do have to take the point, however, that with the lion or with a bear or whatever it is, that it doesn't always act in instinctive repossession, I must kill this in order to eat it. It will be at times that one species will happily play with another species. Uh, For example, uh, a fox will allow its cubs to play with lambs. Not in respect of, uh, look, this is your future dinner, but that in actual fact what is happening is that the fox is actually uh, allowing its cubs, children, to play, not with its food, but with other beings, and teaching them that harmony is actually something which is worthwhile, that it will understand and establish within its own right, because there will be times, possibly, in its own physical life where it will need the help of others. And so it has to learn how to change its energy into that way of giving, you see.
0: It's not really a question of free will as such. It's more that we have a greater awareness than they do. Is that, is that more?
1: I would say, in a sense, yes, but also in a sense, my dear friend, there are many times when animals have a much greater awareness in sense than human beings. It's only really when human beings let go that they allow the real awareness to come to the foreground. Would you not agree?
0: Yeah. OK. It's difficult to, uh, to to know what they think and feel. Um, Quite so. so I understand,
1: absolutely, yes. I concur with that, friend. Uh, Cats and dogs, for example, often uh, are very difficult to comprehend simply because you put upon a cat or a dog a certain specific language. You call it something. You call it a name. But it doesn't necessarily recognize itself as that name. Just because you call it every time by the same name, it simply knows that you want to
0: attract its attention, not necessarily yeah. what that name means. <laughs> because I used to have a dog once, and we used to call it a certain name. But if you said that a different name that sounded like that name, it would still respond as well.
1: Of course, yes, yeah, it's the intonation that you say, not yeah. the word that you say. It doesn't speak English. It doesn't no. know. Uh, yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean that 's a whole other subject with cats and dogs, because I could Angry. ask them lo- wonderful uh, ones on that in the future because I know that cats and dogs are very psychic and know when their when their owners are coming home and and stuff like oh. that so yeah. um something I did want to touch on in this show i i i don 't don't know if you 've got the information on it. Um, I can ask you you this, and if you haven 't then maybe we can do it on a different show um, yes. and that was something known as the dropper stones. Um, I don't know if you're aware of that off the bat. If not, I can just go into a little bit more. Please do. Okay. Well, what I've got here, there was um, the Droper are um, according to certain writers, a race of dwarf-like extraterrestrials who landed near the Chinese-Tibetan border some 12,000 years ago. And basically, explorers found a site there. And they said they found many neat rows of tombs with short 138-centimetre skeletons buried within. The skeletons had abnormally big heads and small, thin, fragile bodies. A member of the team suggested that these might be the remains of an unknown species of mountain gorilla, or they could be um, a species that crash-landed there 12,000 years ago. Yeah. And they found these discs as well. They found... Um, yeah uh, A bunch of discs with hieroglyphs on them, all buried at the site as well. Yes,
1: I understand. I will have to look at this, but yeah. I, I also have to say, though, my dear friend, that there are other races which were of human intent, but that don't actually look like human beings, uh, in a sense because they're not the same proportion, uh, being that these other beings are uh, less than three feet, I understand, and there are remains which exist of those as well. Uh, I do not know personally of this particular race. However, it does not surprise me. There are many different races of many different uh, connotations that they look completely different. Uh, there are, after all, uh, races of grey who are uh, but millimeters in thickness mm. and but are uh, many feet in height.
0: Yeah, sure, sure.
1: And they're...
0: E- their skeleton is ectoplasmic, in fact. So when you say ectoplasmic, is that, the sim- is that a similar substance to what a physical medium would produce? Uh, like not quite,
1: but it's, it's, in a sense it's like a, like a cartilaginous uh, skeleton, and it's an ectoskeleton, so it means that it's, it's on the outside, not the inside.
0: What, what does that mean, on the outside, not on the inside?
1: <laughs> um, let me see. Yes, yeah, similar to a spider.
0: Crikey. So... I mean, I, I'm digressing again now, actually. We'll cover this in, in a different show. Um, there seems to be a lot of research as well that there's huge, like, civilizations underneath Earth where a lot of these beings might not be necessarily extraterrestrial that have been living here a long, long time and still live underneath the ground. Yes, I understand that. Like, whole civilizations that don't really want to interact with us necessarily. Yeah.
1: I am aware of others who uh, who are actually taking up lodging at this present time under the ocean.
0: Yeah. Are they the same guys as the Phoenix Knights? The Phoenix Lights, should I say. The huge triangular object. Uh, yes, I believe so.
1: The same orientation, yes. Yeah. And who also, I understand... Um, have taken up dwellings in uh, or,
0: and around certain mountains
1: as well, mountainous areas.
0: Yeah, so they have like their own kind of underground cities or inner cities that are completely um, self contained. They've got their own plant, light source. Yes,
1: well, my dear friend, what they actually do is they use the same kind of variant uh, energy as people would do for. Uh, bringing about changes, morph- morphic changes within uh, rock or crystal or something like that.
0: Mm. Wow, okay. Um, right, I think we can move that one to the side for a minute. Um, something I did want to go into, because this fascinates me beyond anything really, and that is that all around the planet we have huge stones, You know, whether it's the, the pyramids, uh, Stonehenge, there's, like, dolmens um, that have got these yes. huge stones with, you know, 40-ton rocks on top that you could never put there, I wouldn't have thought. And I just wondered, I mean, there's a place called Baalbek as well um, in Lebanon that's got a stone there that weighs 2,000 tons. Yes. Um, you know, I just wondered, you know, I I feel that there must be some kind of levitation involved in that. It's an interesting point, my dear friend, and I do
1: not rule it out. I have not seen it myself uh, take place or enacted. However, I am aware that uh, physically an object can be uh, so uh, uh, moved in that respect. This is something, of course, that you can even practice at home. What do you mean with telekinesis? I am talking about that human beings can practice at home and understand the changes at variance with their own energy and the energy of another person. So then understanding how the weight of a person, if you look at dead weight, if you look at uh, a lump of a person then, and they weigh a certain uh, amount, and it's actually very difficult to pick them up or to even attempt to do that. And yet, if you change the molecular energy level, by uh, a, a certain process which allows your energy to transfer into the energy of the person, you would actually find them lose their body mass weight, as in the physical side of life, uh, by up to uh, twenty times, so that they would actually be uh, that a human being would turn into a a just a, a couple of bags of sugar.
0: Hmm. Okay, so, so do you know this is the mechanism they would have used on these rocks, or is it just a, this is like one theory that you could put forward or? It is
1: actually a theory a, a a part of physics that enables you to change matter, change energy, and actually create a different pathway which is actually to do with the earth's gravitational field, so simply dear friend, simply put, what you would be able to do would be to change the molecular structure uh, in such a way by using human condition of energy, using their energy to change the energy of the object, which then changes its alignment to the the actual gravitational field. So then making it light.
0: Mm, Yeah, I do remember an experiment we used to try where you had someone sitting down on a seat and then a bunch of people would come around that person, and I can't remember whether you just put your hands over the top of their head or something. And then literally after a, a few moments, you'd all go down and just use one finger on each hand, and you could literally just lift the person up in the air. Yes. Or, and they fly up in the air. Yes, that's right. With no weight at all. No weight at all, yeah. Yes, that's right. Have you... From your vantage point of the Akashic records and stuff like that, would you know how they moved those huge stones to build the pyramids?
1: Well, the pyramids themselves, my dear friend, were actually built using large slopes of earth. They were very good at moving earth, exactly the same as the Chinese have been very good at moving earth and sand and any material whatsoever. And actually, how the pyramids themselves were built was to do with this method. There were, there were the, logics, the logistics of how they were able to carve certain rocks and uh, all the rest of it uh, brought down to a simple uh, mathematics and simple physics really. The situation was that some of the stones were actually moved by cantilever properties but most of them were actually uh, simply manhandled by large amounts of slave, enslaved people, generally brought up from the depths of Africa.
0: What about the main pyramid, though? Not, I know there's loads of little ones built afterwards that seemed almost um, like b- bad imitations of, yes. the, of, the, of the Great uh, Pyramid. Was it the Great G- Giza? Yes, the one, Giza, yes. Because I know one of the blocks there has been estimated at over 400 tons
1: that's right yes absolutely so and thinking of the amount of earth that would have been needed to simply do that but don't forget though friend that they only actually ever needed one ramp in order to, uh, to create the pathway for all of those stones they only ever needed one ramp so it was something that was only built once but that was gradually added to the further along the pathway they got. They, the further higher that they made the pyramid itself, the further away the ramp had to be built.
0: So, okay. It sounds like a lot of work. I mean, I was under the impression that there was levitation involved. There seems to be a lot of, a lot of theories um, from different channelers who say that it was levitation. Yes, I know that. The other thing is that the blocks seems to be so precisely put into place that you couldn't even do it today they reckon they couldn't even build it today
1: yes but my point really though my dear friend is that they were stonemasons that is how stonemasons used to work Uh, they did not actually you could not even slide a piece of paper between the joints Hmm. that is the whole point of a true stonemason Uh, these are crafts that are now lost to human beings in those days Stonemasons were really highly regarded and peoples who worked with the utmost precision and care. The reason why it is not maintained at this day, in your day and age, is purely and simply because of there being no interest within it.
0: Sure, okay. So, I mean, is there any, any um, evidence for your history, what you, what you see in history? of levitation being used anywhere?
1: Well, my dear friend, uh, these are supposed to be purported facts and that is the matter of those people who uh, bring forward such material. I am saying to you that there have been times when there are different situations, different uh, uh, forms of physics that are being used which are not of the Earth plane that enable large materials and large objects sometimes to be moved uh, a short distance. However this whole theory of uh, such a practice being endemic within many races uh, somewhat conjures up a rather more magical and emotional romantic version of the historical events. It's like saying that The Mayans were all wonderful beings. No, they weren't. They were actually murderers, a lot of them. And a lot of people in ancient history were that way inclined. Uh, If you wish to, uh, there are many people who would like to portray the Roman emperors as being great statesmen and people of great love and majesty. Well, actually, they sent many people to their deaths. So it's in a sense changing history upon its head and saying uh, that actually I'm not saying that all history is perfect. Uh, it, many, in many respects it has been written and derived from the, the power mad mind of one particular historian which wants to paint a particular view. If you ask 20 people uh, what happened at one event, they will all say something that's different, purely and simply out of uh, their own vocation of wanting to do that. I cannot have any axe to grind for one person's view over another. If that is what they want to think they are perfectly entitled to do that. It's their free will and their
0: consciousness. Sure. So how, how would someone with, with a dolman though when they've got like a 225 ton rock just balancing on four thin rocks, how, how would somebody lift that up onto such a height for such a small little, you know, like, thing.
1: Yes, I understand, my dear friend, but the point is that you have to see the picture of how it was constructed, and the, the construction of it is not going to be necessarily that that is what it was. It's what was left, rather than the original structure or the original way of making it. It's instead looking at what exists now and thinking, well, however could that have been manifested? It must have been something magical. When in actual fact, uh, there are simple uh, methodologies in those times of ancient kingdoms when they were able simply to do that because, as I say, manpower was something which was very cheap.
0: Yeah, okay. And it's just hard to get your head around because you know when you look at today... I understand. But that's really though because
1: of the fact that human beings at this time now, in your state and age, you rely upon uh, mechanics and machinery to do this and do that piece of work, which is absolutely beautiful and completely amazing, yet different to those situations, those states, those sites of antiquities whereby they never had those luxuries or those mechanics But in actual fact they had a great deal of mechanics that enabled them even with the simplest tools to craft the most beautiful situations, the most wonderful uh, epitaphs and designs of human history. It is a credit to those people to illuminate their pathway in that way and I'm not saying categorically that none of this existed by the pathway that has been so, say, presented. I am saying, however, it was not the norm. It would have been the most uh, 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 different situation. It may well be that at various times, various tribes adopted such a spiritual activity within their scape of life that they were able to direct different energies from the earth itself and that in itself enables large um, pieces of solid object to be moved as though you were moving it with one finger
0: so do you think there was a, a kind of combination of that what you're talking about where you you're changing something's weight through uh, energy transference
1: yes it can be that's what i'm saying Mm. that's really why i use the the situation of the people around the the one person that then senses the weight and the weight changes miraculously not miraculously at all it's just how energy works
0: yeah okay okie dokie um i don't know if you know about the um the mystery mysterious sliding boulders do you that go across death valley oh yes just wondered if you knew what they were. They seem to have like a big wake behind them where they've kind of moved across the uh, valley floor. Yes, yes, quite amazing. I understand it is
1: actually done partly by uh, the use of energy from the planet itself. Okay,
0: I mean, are these rocks intelligent in some way or, or is it the ground vibrating and they're just kind of moving along?
1: The rocks are not intelligent, friend.
0: <laughs> situation. Anything's
1: possible. Uh, uh, well, yes, quite so. I understand some people, uh, one could say, are rocks. <laughs> yes. and so the situation is, friend, that there are most certainly uh, rocks that move and they don't do it through their own intelligence. What actually happens is that it is a vibrational situation that's set up at certain points of the Earth don't happen consistently but are simply uh, there one moment for a little while uh, perhaps even for a few days and then simply moves. It's really to do with the Earth's magnetism and the way that the Earth's energy changes, Um, particularly with tectonic plate movement that would then cite vibration. I'm not saying that it's vibration, it's to do with actual energy of the Earth. So Exactly the same way, dear friend, as you hold your hand out, there's energy emanating from your hand, not because you want to heal someone, but simply because it is, because you're a physical being. The earth is a physical being, living. That means to say that all of those little veins and sinews in your hand, you must picture as though you are looking at that within the earth. And what is happening within the earth Are there different energy profiles, different energy platforms which are, in a sense, uh, conduits for energy within the Earth? What kind of energy? Energy always seems to be something that is pushed, pulled, something that induces shear forces or some other such uh, mechanism of physics that aligns it to have a certain repercussion because of its movement. Simply what happens, however, is that within the Earth uh, itself, because of the fact that it has these different energies which are created by different forces of nature. They're created by wind, they're created by uh, forces of liquid, both on the surface, within the ground itself, and underneath. There are different matters of forces of Uh, Nature which are to do with temperature, which then induce different conductive currents of electrical and magnetic uh, responses that enable these rocks to simply move gradually across the earth.
0: Mm. Because there's another scenario in a place called um, Yellowwood State Forest in Indiana where um, in April 1997, a turkey hunter came across huge sandstone boulders that weighed um, around 500 pounds that were just perched up up high, in about 35 feet up in the trees. And all around the surrounding area, there was just boulders perched there. And there was no evidence that it had come crashing down and hit the trees. Um, They were just there, just sitting there in the branches quite high up. yeah.
1: Looking for something, obviously.
0: <laughs> exactly, trying to find out where to go for lunch. Yes. Do you know anything about those, how they could have got there? Yes, well, I understand the
1: friend. There are many situations upon the physical planet of Earth which, in a sense, defy logical reason. Purely and simply, what happens upon the Earth and upon its surface, as I say, is really that electromagnetic forces at work, in exactly the same reason why... Uh, motor vehicles are able to to move uphill or even backwards without energy, without power itself in various places upon the planet. Simply uh, in this exactly the same way why there are different other situations that are at work. It's usually a matter of electromagnetic pulses or some such thing as that which are created from the earth itself and sometimes these anomalies simply happen uh, in certain areas where there are a specific situations which happen to be very close to the surface for example that there are certain kinds of uh, conductive conduits uh, that kind of thing that may be close there may be certain pressures within the earth's crust which are actually t- due to Uh, certain kinds of erosion uh, situations that are happening within the Earth, perhaps due to uh, great iron deposits or something like that, or perhaps to do with other forms of uh, magnetism that are created there.
0: What would generally happen if you were a fly on the wall, so to speak? What would you see? Would you just see a boulder just suddenly rise up and perch itself on a tree? Or would it be a case of it thrown up? Or It may well uh,
1: be, dear friend, that it happens fairly quickly, but not so fast that it then damages the tree. Because these, I understand, are, there are not actually any signs of damage because no. it's almost like they have been placed there yeah. carefully. And that actually denotes that it is not a sudden force or something that happens quickly, but uh, that is actually... Uh, obviously fairly evolved and simply happens as a process. So it may well be that not all of those uh, stones that uh, this happens to land in a tree, but they simply
0: land back in another place. You see? Yeah, no, I do see that. I just wondered if it was caused by, um, could it be, obviously the, the Earth's got a grid around it of like ley lines, energy lines, that kind of stuff. And Uh, it must be kind of no. Sorry? It's a form of kinesis, I understand. Yes. Like almost like telekinesis, in in a sense. Yes. There does seem to be people that have the gift of telekinesis. I've seen videos. In China, there seems to be this kind of thing. uh, They call them children's super psychics. And they seem to have the ability to move objects and stuff like that. Yes. Uh, so I don't know whether that's a new thing that's happening, and why China seems to have these kids more than the rest of the world, or it's just a population thing they've got there. Um, but yes, but they have a
1: higher population density than anywhere else upon the planet. So it may seem as though they have more, but there are simply more people.
0: Yeah, I mean that's fascinating because that defies all known uh, textbook physics well in a sense it does my dear friend but as i say it's not really
1: taking into account a human being's energy Hmm. and it's really in a sense explaining exactly what the power of the mind is and what it can be what it can produce if given the right conditions
0: sure is it a case that if you know like there's a a theory that if you know something to be true and you really believe it um and you've got your focus there then you've you're kind of halfway there already. If you doubt something, can you believe you can't do something, you know, then you, you've, you're, you're going to lose whatever you're doing anyway, like whether it's sport, um, yes. whatever. Right. So yes. if you're somebody that when you was growing up, you just moved something with your mind, then you know, um, absolutely that you can do that. Where if someone was trying to practice it, even though they're going, yeah, come on, move I want that thing to move. They know deep down that it's not actually possible. So is that the thing that blocks it? That's right. That's
1: the very object Yeah. That human beings place before themselves in order to... There, you see, I, I thought I knew that that wouldn't be possible. And that's what a human being thinks. That's the way a human being thinks. That's why it is that when human beings actually try to illuminate what they truly are and fail to do it, they only fail to do it because they are not really believing that it's possible in exactly the same way that many human beings on your side of life think that, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to be a medium? Wouldn't it be wonderful wonderful, to be able to talk to other people who are from uh, some other place, from some other dimension or uh, some such thing as this? Well, I have to say, dear friend, most people on your side of life have mediumistic skills. It's just a matter of being able to define them, being able to understand that you are unique and beautiful and that each one has specific suitabilities, specific situations that will enable them to manifest most wondrous gifts
0: upon the planet. Mm, that's it. And I think we've all got different kind of mediumistic psychic gifts as well. We might not be the same as the next person. It's a flavour.
1: Yes, absolutely so, my dear friend. If you have uh, ten people in one room and they're all clairvoyant, but all of their clairvoyancy is going to be different. Each and every one of them. They're not ever going to see in exactly the same way. They may see through their sensitivity and not through what they think they're going to see. It may be that people see with illumination that is, uh, in fact, manufactured. And that is not actual, but that is a part of the product of mind, but actually comes from a different sensitivity. I'm not saying that they are not uh, that way at all, but I'm saying that sometimes a person's energy and their specific vibration index may well dictate that the way in which their spirit team or others from our side of life are able to make that communication come about, it may be that they're simply, because of the fact that person is copying someone else and how they became mediumistic, that it's thought that that's going to be the only way to do it. But it isn't. There are so many different ways that... One person can be sensitive or that one person can uh, bring about illumination through their dreams or can bring about images of clairvoyancy. And sometimes it will be actual that you actually see someone in front of you. And other times it will be symptomatic that you felt the being or that you saw them, but that in fact it's a predisposition to some other image or some other situation
0: everyone is different absolutely i think that's what makes it interesting as well isn't it yes absolutely i think humans are so diverse um, in every way imaginable really so I, i always say that if you add up every skill that every single person could do then you're getting somewhere close to what god is really and
1: Absolutely so. And the diversity, sheer diversity, even of people's faces, of their hair, of their, the way that uh, their face is marked by different situations,
0: scars, other beings living on them, or whatever it is. Mm, that's a nice one. <laughs> yeah, most people don't like to uh, focus on the bed bugs anyway, do they? Well, you know, yes. They know they go or, uh, yes, or even the bacteria or, or
1: whatever, <laughs> yes. The friendly bacteria is all right. Yes, I understand each human being has about, actually about 6,000 other life forms living within them. <laughs> so we're just
0: like planets, really, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> OK, all right, we'll leave it there for this week. All right, so thank you very much for going through those questions. Yes, thank you so
1: very well, my dear friend, with love and light and blessings as ever upon your journey, my dear friend. Thank you so very, very much for allowing us to take part in this questioning Thank you so you're most welcome god bless
0: if you would like to book your own personal reading with gregory to find out about your own soul journey then please visit the graphic banner underneath the show or visit www.spirit-teaching.com